Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This episode is brought to you by Tuxton Home. Tuxton Home provides products perfect for the professional level kitchen or the at-home cook. Whether it's ceramic dinnerware and bakeware or stainless steel cookware, such as a set of two ceramic non-stick skillets in a gorgeous saffron yellow that we received, Tuxton Home offers equipment created to be durable, consistent, and sustainable. And for a limited time, our listeners will receive 20% off their purchases by entering the code WeCookBooks at checkout. Just visit www.tuxtonhome.com. That's T-U-X-T-O-N-H-O-M-E. And enter the code WeCookBooks at checkout. This week's featured cookbook is... Plant and Planet from the editors at Goodful. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. <laughs> you seemed a little surprised there. Did I catch you off guard? You, you kind of scared me. Um, boy. <laughs> well, I know I look rough, but this is, come on. This is great. Uh, three consecutive podcast episodes, we went from being like pretty drunk, if we're being honest, <laughs> slightly tipsy, and now stone cold sober. Right? You I'm got your tea over there. Drinking some turmeric ginger tea. I got tea. some water. It's, it's a roll of the dice with us. I know, You never right? know what to expect. <laughs> All right, so welcome to episode 66 of uh, Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, If you go to our website, which is www.wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab. That will direct you to an Amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a few lists there, including kitchen essentials for home cooks, as well as some of our favorite cookbooks on the Instagram feed. Uh, If you make a purchase from any of those lists, You'll get something that you were probably planning on buying anyway, and we'll get a little something in return. A few pennies. (laughs) 14 cents, something like that. Hey, it all adds up. Buy a bag of pretzels at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. What should we talk about first? Let's talk about what we just recently watched. Oh yeah. Okay, we got a we got a couple things that are kind of interesting. Uh the first being uh the limited series Bad Vegan on Netflix, mm-hmm. which uh I I did not know this story until this aired and we you know read something about it and then we're like, "Oh." And and even when I got one of those like alerts from Netflix that was like Bad Vegan is now and I was like, "What? That name sounds stupid." And I just kind of trash the email without even really investigating further yeah and then i started hearing people talking about it on the social medias well i never i you know i had never heard heard of any of it going down no, in the first place I, maybe it was just like kind of outside of my i mean i, I think i was in high school when this happened right like 90s so, yeah, so yeah. i wouldn't have cared yeah in the first place 
but it is a fascinating story. I know. So fantastical. And you and you just kind of are left scratching your head at the end of it. Like, mm-hmm. how did that happen? Oh, my God. How did... Uh, so this follows uh, the exploits of uh, Sarma Melgaunt... I'm butchering the name. Melmgalus? Melmgalus. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, she was a uh, owner of a restaurant uh, called Pure Food and Wine, vegan it, restaurant. It was a raw vegan restaurant. Yeah, not even way, just vegan. Way ahead of its time in New York, she she had she had originally partnered with her husband, who was also a chef. Um, I don't know if they were married. I think they were just. Uh, Boyfriend and girlfriend. No, I could have swore they got married. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was just boyfriend and girlfriend. But yeah. Anyway, they ended up breaking up. Mm -hmm. This place was wildly successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she met this man. Who she did marry eventually. And he kind of took her for a ride. Yeah. Both literally and figuratively. (laughs) The ride ended in, uh, was it Tennessee? Kentucky? It was Tennessee. Yeah. Where they were arrested in a cheap hotel and uh, they were able to track them to that hotel because the husband had ordered some Domino's pizza mm-hmm. with the credit card. And and the media kind of spun it in a way like she was like found eating, you know, this right. vegan. Of, and, well, of course and they were they in did. separate rooms. Yeah. Uh, she was definitely. She was over it by this point, I mean, to put it lightly. I guess I'll stop short of saying she was the victim in all this because she certainly left a lot of victims in her wake Absolutely. from this thing as well. So I don't want to portray her as being like innocent in all of this, but she definitely got duped and, and well, I, financially suffered probably the biggest... Uh, consequences i mean i'm sure she was like completely emotionally abused yes absolutely um can't recommend it enough please you guys go watch it it's a fantastical story yes not recommended is it cake (laughs) we watched an episode last night and so on twitter uh a while back on twitter there was this thing trending like is it cake like there would be a slimy looking chicken breast or a hamburger or a hand or something. And and there would just be like a clip of it being cut into um, and it's cake. So. So that sounds cool. Yeah. Making it into a game show. No. Or competition. It's horrible. Yeah. The host is obnoxious. He's like a, he's like a Joel McHale want wannabe. But, but kind of annoying and oh so because I, I don't find joel McHale that annoying no all. i like him um but this guy there's something unsavory that comes Ugh, across he's his super obnoxious and it's weird because the basic premise is these people compete against each other to you know make various things look you know like a real like fast food or something mm-hmm. and and then they have a team of judges that will like try and guess. And it's always like from a distance. So they're looking at these examples of what they made from like 25 feet away. Right. And I'd be like, like well, I can't tell. Yeah. Like from that distance, anything could look realistic. I'm sure if you looked at it up close, you could easily tell which one was cake. And then because, you know, they they, they can't show the chefs creating these things from start to scratch, start to finish, because then you'd know which one was the cake. 
it it they kind of show like in progress like them making like you know i'm making the batter i'm making the frosting but they never really show yeah. them like doing the final assembly so it's a little weird it's a little clunky and in my opinion just wasn't very like well thought out no. as a premise of a show but anyway don't watch it yeah we, we warned you we hate watched an episode and yep. then we're like nope yep should we talk about what we're currently working on? Yes. This is a good one. Yeah. We're actually um, finishing it up t- this evening. Well, it's a book. Uh, it's a book that we got sent by Clarkson Potter, mm-hmm. and it comes out on March 29th. Very soon. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. Um, it's Korean American by Eric Kim. Mm-hmm. The re- all the recipes that we've made so far are fantastic. We got this and just started thumbing through it, and then just immediately we're like, "Okay, this is the next book we're yeah. doing." So d- without hesitation, like last night we made Aunt Georgia's soy sauce fried chicken with jalapenos, and then we did a side of raw Brussels sprouts from Moochim, also known as cover your entire kitchen in grease. Seriously, fried chicken. When we were done. <laughs> I was looking at the kitchen and I felt mildly traumatized was, by how messy and greasy it was. It was like an oil spill. Oh my god! <laughs> like I'm, like my heart is like pounding just thinking about it. It was so bad. Not since the Exxon Valdez ran aground was there that much oil oh my god. like just spilled all over the place. There is a reason why we don't make fried chicken very often. I know, often. And, then we, and then we forget, and then like six months goes by, and we're like, we should make fried chicken, and then we do it, and then our kitchen is a disaster, and then we were like, never again. Yeah. So, yeah. never again. Never again. Until six months from now. <laughs> Because we do make a mean fried chicken, and yes. it was delicious. Yes, I mean it'll. This we'll this recipe talk was about it. this recipe was really good, and we'll get into it when we cover the book. Yes. Um, and so what are we having for dinner tonight, Johnny? Oh, I, I also want to mention that what? we're finishing up uh, Meehan's Bartender Manual by Jim Meehan. So, like with with cocktail books, as with baking books, we usually kind of spread them out over several weeks. And this one, we've been just kind of making different cocktails for. And this weekend, we kind of did some rum drinks. Yeah. And we're not big rum drinkers. No. So, but I've, I, I've enjoyed them so far. Well, that one was a little weird. It was all, it was a little too strong. It was, yeah, it was. It was, it was like rocket fuel. Pure alcohol. Yeah. See, and here's the thing. Like with rum, scotch, and tequila, I would love to investigate them further right but i just feel like i don't know enough about them and like where to start right is very overwhelming yeah you know and i don't want to pay you know we don't want to pay a bunch of money for a bottle of something that that we're not gonna like right so you know so far so good i mean with the rum we we did another rum drink that i thought was was pretty decent um it was just that one last night that i wasn't a huge fan of yeah so yeah I I watered it down with some grapefruit soda. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Classy. <laughs> hey, what do we got up next? For dinner? For cookbook. Oh, uh, let's see. For cookbook. Oh, we are going to be working on Salad Freak by Jess Demook. Which, this is another one that just arrived. Mm-hmm, and I have to say, I am looking forward to it because I feel like we have like with Korean American we've been eating more meat than we usually do so it'll be nice to kind of reset yeah yeah so well that 
brings us into what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> we're doing salt and pepper ribs with a fresh mint sauce. And then we're going to make a side of spicy charred broccolini. And I'm really looking forward to Which it. Which is kind of loosely based on a recipe from the book. But we're just subbing uh, the zucchini in the recipe yes. for the broccoli. Yeah. Just because we we had broccoli on our brain. Mm-hmm. And we want to we lean into that. So, All right. Well, our show topic this episode is uh, favorite school lunch dish, and uh, we got a lot of good submissions, including mm-hmm. some last minute ones, so I can I can mention those at the end. Sure. You want to start with the first one? I actually wrote them down, too, so. Good. Okay. Good, good. Um, first one, Nancy said grilled cheese. I remember that day. See, I don't really remember ever having grilled cheese. I mean, that was like at school. That was lunch. like the easy thing they could throw I'm together. Sh- uh, well, I'm sure they did them all on like a big sheet tray, and yep. stuck them in the oven. Government cheese. Yep. Uh, but I don't. I don't remember. I'm. <laughs> well, speaking of ones I don't remember, uh, at Enculma said Italian Dunkers. For those of you who do not know what this is, including me. Okay. How did, <laughs> wow. I don't think we had Italian Dunkers day at school. <laughs> um, basically, it was cheese bread that was served with a side of meat sauce, and then you okay dunk the bread in. So it would be it would be like a spaghetti sauce or like a yeah. meat spaghetti. Okay. Yeah. See, Italian Dunkers sounds like it should be like a, a an international team kind a of basketball a, a, yeah, team. Yeah, like akin to like the Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> but it'd be like, oh, they're playing the Har- the Italian Dunkers this week. <laughs> Missed opportunity. All right, what what else you got? Um, at uh, at Give Me Meatloaf uh, said the waxy rectangle pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. And that wonder and sundry said macaroni and cheese. I remember the macaroni and cheese yeah. at our school lunch being horrible. Yeah, Macaroni and cheese is one of those dishes that I, I feel like a lot of people, restaurants, whatever, do really poorly. But yet right? it appears so often on different menus. And I'm kind of picky about my mac and cheese. Yeah. You make a good one. Uh, yes, I do. And I don't make it very often either. Well, you know, it's not the healthiest of yeah. options. But right. all right. What else you got? Uh, Megan Anigans said corn dog day. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Good One of my old favorites. corn dog. <laughs> uh, another vote for that square pizza from at Kimo Howard. <laughs> no, that was the popular choice this week. <laughs> right. At the wannabe barbecue said taquitos. We never had taquitos. I don't think we did either. We had hard shell tacos. Probably depended on the school you went to. Yeah. Yeah, hard shell tacos, Gross. which are funny because we never, when we make tacos at home, we never use the like hard Ortega corn shell. I don't think we have ever, ever bought those. It's a hazard. Ever. You'll stab the roof oh of your mouth. Oh my God, I know, right? You have to go to the hospital and get stitches <laughs> in the roof of your mouth. No thanks. Um, I'll stick with my soft flour tortillas. Thank you. Right. You're you're firmly on team flour tortilla too, huh? I sure am. Yeah. Although we had a place in Chicago we used to go to that would make corn tortillas from scratch, and they, they were, were really delicious. fantastic. I think we need to try and make tortillas you ourselves. Get a tortilla press? No, no, you don't. There's um, I saw I saw online that I think uh, someone used uh, they pressed it between two sheet trays. Hmm. Put like parchment and then press it down. Hmm. So. 
Hmm. Oh, whatever. I'm skeptical. We, oh, shush. We'll give it a go. Um, don't be, don't, don't, don't yuck my yum. I won't yuck your yum. <laughs> um, at Maxwell Gregory 2018 said Lunchables. I don't remember Lunchables. Was that like something they would take from home? Yeah. Okay. Lunchables are like the little, they, they come in a square package and there's like four crackers, four slices of deli meat, four so slices like a of bento cheese. bento box for white people? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a bento box filled with preservatives and Oh, sounds salt. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at Longcore Bakes said chicken patty. Okay. Well, chicken patty. Yeah. All right. I remember the chicken patties being really gross. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. chicken patty. What was your favorite? Um, aside from the warm Big Gulp cup of Crown Royal and Cola that I'd uh, chase with a Lucky Strike in the parking lot. What? I think it was a Winston, but Lucky Strike sounds better for, you know, sure. story time purposes. Sure. Lucky Strikes were probably no longer made by the time I was in high school. <laughs> oh, you were you were one of the bad kids in high school. Huh? Did you guys were you guys able to go off campus? No. Cuz we had a Hardee's and I believe a Burger King by our school that people would go over to and, and you know, during the lunch hour. Because, I mean, how would they know if you walked across the, you know, if you, unless they had someone guarding the door, which they did not. Probably now they do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you could just, you know, leave and go across the parking lot to the Burger King. And no, then as we long weren't. as you were back before lunch hour ended... Which was really twenty minutes. Not we an hour. were not allowed, and in middle school there was a Taco Bell right across the street. Oh, missed opportunity, <laughs> man! But you can bet that place was swarmed with all of us kids after school. Oh Those, Those poor, poor workers, yeah. I know. Oh my Did god! Did you guys have a salad bar? We had okay, so we had. I'm not done with my my pick, but okay. I just I'm just curious to know if you had a salad bar. We had a salad. Well, we had a salad line. We had a hamburger line regular lunch line and then there was a snack line so was it kind of like a choose your own burger kind of thing where they just had different options if the options were very limited ketchup and mustard yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like the snack line you could get cookies you could get red drink um you could get shakes like they had that chocolate. Was all the healthy options. They had chocolate and strawberry malts. And the fun thing to do was to uh Wait, I thought you didn't eat in high school. I didn't really. Oh. I mean I but you had those options available to you. Yeah. You to drink a shake and eat a hamburger. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I would and then I'd just go puke in the bathroom. But oh, <laughs> um but uh a favorite was lemonade with the strawberry shake mix. Well vodka in there too? That would have been nice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Okay, so for me, I'd say it was a tie between the square pizza Mm -hmm. and the corn dogs. Okay. Yeah. The minute someone mentioned corn dogs, it took me right back, and I could smell that really bad ketchup and mustard mixed together. Like that that smell, I I could still picture it. Ugh. I hated corn dogs for really? forever. Yeah. Oh man. I think I think the first time that I actually ate one and liked it was when we were at the state fair together. Okay. I they just, do have good corn dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um my favorite was the square pizza as well. Because it was so soft and yeasty smelling. 
Um, it was kind of filling too because that crust was super thick. <laughs> it was mostly was. crust, I think. It was, and the cheese was kind of waxy too. I yep. remember. Um, Probably and, because it was made like several hours before. Yeah, just sitting under, you know, warmer or something. Yep. And then I also really like the chicken nugs. Oh yeah, I forgot about. I those. love the chicken nuggets. How could you not? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember those. All right. Good talk. Ooh, we need to ask what people's least favorite school lunch was. It'd probably there, be a mix of the same. There was some really bad stuff. Yes, there was. <laughs> that's that's when you went over to the Burger King, Burger King across the parking lot. Or you well, just skipped, you skipped lunch. Yeah. <laughs> you can just sit there and read a book. Okay, so uh, let's talk about this book. Okay. Um, Plant and Planet. Um, we, this was one of the books that we did during our, uh, dry January where we also decided to do like plant-based eating for the F- month. FYI, we are really behind on our podcast Yes, because we're we, catching up. we posted this a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago and we always work ahead. So it was already kind of behind, but yeah, so th- we did do this during January and then we kind of kept going into some of February before then we started making greasy fried chicken like we did last night. Hmm. So, so yeah, this was a perfect book for the time. Um, we're not vegetarian or vegan, obviously, but we do enjoy, you know, trying to stick mostly with plant-based eating. This book, it kind of focuses on what would you say like the, cause it's got kind of a unique angle to it. Um, sustainability. Yes. Big part um, of it. Being able to do this within your budget, making your food stretch, mm-hmm. um, kind of using everything. And I would say also, you know, not, it's not strictly a vegan book, although many of the recipes can be made vegan pretty yes. easily, but I think it's also taking a more, kind of like reasonable approach you know like if if someone is not vegan they're not going to try and just make them be that way from this book so it's trying to be a little more flexible with the approach and just get you thinking more in these terms of you know being more sustainable reducing waste eating more plants that kind of thing so uh it's about 75 vegetarian recipes Mm -hmm. should we talk about the dishes we made yep all right. Um, all right. Bullet list. Charred whole broccoli salad. Mushroom scallops. That is with a air quote. Uh, with quick pea mash. Caramelized banana and orange parfait. Country fried cauliflower and gravy. And carrot mimosa. Yes. All right. Let's talk this charred broccoli. So broccoli is not something that we really ate a lot of. I... Wasn't a super huge fan of it. And this kind of kind of changed my mind a little bit. Correct. Um, I felt the same way. I thought I, I think if given the choice, like for some reason, broccoli and cauliflower kind of come up in the same conversation or, or at least in my mind, it's like if, if given the choice between the two, I'd always be like, oh, let's roast up some cauliflower. Whereas right. like now we've been kind of leaning into the broccoli thing a little bit more. We're well, having it tonight. Yes, we are. Well, and I think um, growing up, the only time I ever had broccoli was if it was on like a veggie platter yep. or or at school lunch where it was steamed and it had that cheese-like goo on top of it, which to be honest, I really loved. Um, Velveeta. 
Right? I don't I don't know what it was. Cheese sauce. Cheese sauce. Yeah. So, yeah, but this is delicious and you use the entire broccoli. You use the the florets and the stalks. Yeah, you, so you separate you separate the thicker stalk pieces and cut those up. The the stalk pieces are actually my favorite. I mine as well. Yeah. And then what did this get topped with? Um well, first it gets charred mm-hmm. um till it's nice and crispy along the edges and it gets topped with some chilies, capers, golden raisins. How do you feel about the golden raisins? I didn't mind them. Okay. It it added, a, you know, like there was there was a little bit of heat, a little bit of salt. You know, some yeah, that people, was kind of the like wild card ingredient for me where I was just like, wow, that seems yeah, like a it, little out of place, but well, it, it, it worked. Brought the element of sweetness. Um, I know a lot of people really get bummed out by raisins. <laughs> yes. um, I, I think you could, you know, you could add, uh, you could substitute it with um, dried cranberries or dried cherries, you know, just. Sure. If you don't like chilies. Currants, maybe. Currants. What are the what are the sultanas? Oh, that's, hey, that's our alternative name. Aren't you fancy? Yes, um, and then it gets uh, topped with a nice jammy egg, and there's an, I know it's called a salad. There's no dressing. Um, the kind the ooze from the from the yolk of the egg does a good job at kind of lending as a type of dressing. Use the ooze. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on that? It was delicious. It was. And and so a lot of these things we made were probably more suited for like side dishes, we should mention. Yes. Oh, my God. My leg's asleep. Are you okay over there? Oh, pins and needles. Oh. Oh. Can I I get you anything? What can I do? I'm here for you. Smack my leg. Smack my (laughs) foot. It hurts. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Should we talk mushroom scallops? Quote, unquote. Yes. Okay. So... Normally, we're not fans of dishes pretending to be something else, as is the case with this, or in you know the case of veggie bacon or vegan bacon. Yeah, no such thing. This uses king trumpet mushrooms, mm-hmm. which get uh, sliced into uh, little wheels that look like scallops, scallops, and then you fry them. Just visually, it's pretty convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a nice sear on them. I mean, thankfully, they also taste delicious. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, raw king trumpets, they don't have a lot of flavor or aroma. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not something that you really would enjoy eating raw, but they're... As is with most mushrooms. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think raw mushrooms are super gross. That's what you get at a salad. uh, Oh, in the salad bar. the, The bullshit, like suburban restaurant or something that just like slices up some like some button mushrooms and throws them raw onto a salad yeah so it's so disappointing yeah and so those um little mushroom scallops end up going on top of a pea mash it's quick you make it in the food processor it's got peas some white miso little lemon juice it's just nice for like a punch of color and mm-hmm. a little freshness I love this. This was one of my favorite things we made just okay. because uh, visually I thought it was like kind of fun and whimsical and then it just tasted great too. It's 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 amazing how much flavor those mushrooms take on when you fry them like that. Mm-hmm. And they just they have that like chewy texture and it, it really did have the appearance and texture of scallops, which I really appreciated. 
right? All right. <laughs> what did you think? Um, what were your thoughts? No, I liked it. Oh, okay. I liked it perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. Um, I just have to disagree with you on scallops because scallops shouldn't be chewy. Well, you don't think they still have a little bit of chew to them? I mean, I know mm. when properly cooked, they're not supposed to be like rubbery or anything, but they should still be kind of tender, chewy. Maybe I'm just like not articulating it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Should we move on to the caramelized banana and orange parfait? Yes. All right. This had some serious Sunday vibes going on. Yes. And you learned a new skill. I did. How to supreme an orange. Yep. Thanks, lady. <laughs> he was doing it. And I wasn't going to, I didn't want to be like, babe, you're doing that wrong. But I was doing it wrong. He was doing it very wrong. <laughs> And he's like, this doesn't look right. I don't, I don't understand. And, and you, you saved Christmas. You showed me how to do it. And, and now I've got a valuable life skill. Yes. That I can take with me. Yes. To my grave. And boy, could he supreme an, an, a, a citrus. Yep. That's what they're going to say at my funeral. And for those who don't know, supreming it is, is a method of cutting it so that you don't have any of the pith or skin on it. Yeah, you're it's, just separating the segments, uh-huh. but leaving all the, all the gunk behind. Uh-huh. This uh, this uses yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Much so, more healthy alternative to like an ice cream sundae. Yes. The recipe calls for walnuts, but as many people know, we think walnuts are gross. So we used pecans. Mm-hmm. Um, then we added some coconut flakes, some maple syrup, and it gets a little bit of uh, chopped chocolate on the top. I also think this would be really good for breakfast, too. Yeah, totally. So, throw a little bit of granola on there. I really enjoyed this. I, I think we had this for a couple. We had it, we made enough for like a couple days worth. So mm-hmm. like this was this was our dessert a couple couple different nights. I got to say the the, uh, the bananas would have been better had we poured a little bourbon in them while we I were, agree. while we were uh, browning them. I agree. But. Well, yeah. next time. Because I, I would totally make this again. Should we talk country fried cauliflower and gravy? Yes. So my brother, his one of his favorite dishes is country fried steak. I wonder how he'd feel about the country fried cauliflower. I don't know. I think he'd like it. Yep. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I won't tell him it's cauliflower. See if he knows. Well, I'm sure he'd know. Yeah. He's no dummy. right. (laughs) Yeah. So for this one, we opted to do just the florets instead of the steaks because I I think it was just from looking at the recipe and it just seemed like it was going to be a little more difficult to keep the steaks intact. There's there's less chance for disaster. Yes. So what what happens is you... um, you blanch the cauliflower until tender, and then it gets coated in a batter. And I and I think our decision was more like we th- we thought it would be more enjoyable to eat like little battered florets instead of like making this a knife and forker and then having to like coat these big steaks in batter and then trying to you know I was yes. I was concerned about maybe some of the batter coming off yeah. when working with such a large piece yeah so um, it also had a delicious gravy which was made with like mushrooms shallots sage and thyme that was good the, the gravy really was that. delicious yeah I think this was my favorite thing that we made yeah taste wise mm-hmm. but it was 
there were a lot of steps yes. and it made a lot of dishes. It did. Um, and we were kind of left afterwards being like, that was a lot of work for some like cauliflower. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. be forewarned, but yes. it was good. Mm-hmm. Next is a carrot mim- carrot mimosa. Uh, this just has three ingredients: um, oranges, carrots, and seltzer. I would call this carrot mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's like you said; it's three ingredients. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 carrot juice. Well, I'd say it's more of a carrot spritzer. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna, you know. If you want a mimosa, make it with sparkling. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, this was like a carrot spritzer. I mean, I, I start each morning off usually with a smoothie. So this was like a nice alternative and, and you know, something healthy and, and full of some nutrients. But eh, stuff like this, I'm kind of like, is it really necessary to have a quote unquote recipe in a book? Because this is really just mixing three ingredients together. Yeah. So, eh. but it, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It photographed nicely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Amazon reviews. Yeah, before we jump into our reviews, um, I searched high and low for the most critical Amazon review. Um, I did not find anything less than a four-star review for this book. So it didn't get a ton of reviews, but the people that did take the time to review it, nothing less than four stars. So it was really hard to find any kind of critique of anything. Veronica S., who did rank it four out of five stars, offered one one small critique. She said, uh, the one thing that may be a bit confusing is the book is described as both plant-based and vegetarian. Um, so if you are vegan, not all recipes are going to work as they uh, sometimes contain butter and not... I don't think every recipe necessarily offered like an alternative to making it vegan. They would tell you if it was vegan yeah. in the recipe. Yeah. There's a little symbol. But without paging through it, I could see how some people might misunderstand mm-hmm. and, and think that it was a vegan cookbook when in fact it's not. Right. So. And there were eggs in the, in some of the recipes correct. too. So. So it could be potentially, yeah, because we even made the uh, the broccoli dish that had the jammy egg on it. So you want to start with our rankings? Sure. All right. Food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all the shots were overhead. Um, lots of glassware and direct light used so that there, you know, there's like beautiful shadows. And one thing that I really liked about this was... Uh, Say purple. There were varying shades of purple. Everything in the photo were is varying shades. So you're talking of like purple. food props, yes, and surfaces. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I didn't notice that. How yeah. did I not notice that? Yeah, I wasn't very observant on that on that part. I guess. Or um, also, maybe I just noticed it a lot here. Uh, the food would have a bit of color picked up from the background too. Okay, um, it's kind of a styling choice. Yes. Okay. And it it had, which I feel is kind of common these days, that light and airy aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But the use of color was what I really really enjoyed. So. All right. Yeah. Would you give it? I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, many of the photos appear to feature natural light Mm -hmm. as if taken in front of a window on a sunny day. Um, there's an emphasis on kind of bright, vibrant colors, mostly from the ingredients used in the recipes. 
there's also a lot of shots of either raw ingredients or kind of food prep. Uh-huh. So not every recipe is going to have um, a a companion photo and be like a photo of a completed dish. Uh-huh. You might just see like the ingredients kind of laid out on a table or like the ingredients, you know, like sitting in a food processor or something. And then, you know, in 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 progress, there's uh, there was one photo in particular that was like a double page uh, photo spread of these colored glasses for the chapter entitled Let's Raise a Glass. Mm-hmm. And it's like direct sunlight pouring in from this window and these different colored glasses. You get like all like, this prism. Uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. So I, I, I really like that one. The completed dish photos are very, very kind of like editorial mm-hmm. and appealing. But I felt like overall, when looked at as a whole, like... All of the photos didn't have a really like cohesive feel. Okay, if that makes sense. But um, I know it was just one. There was one photographer credited in the book because initially I thought, well, maybe these are just kind of taken by different people, different times, and stuff like that, which would kind of explain like some completed dishes, some not completed. I think it's really interesting that you didn't think it was cohesive. No, and I think it was just because like they didn't settle on. Like, okay, we're going to do just completed dishes. You know, I don't know. It was, yeah. But a lot of cookbooks operate that way. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But huh. uh, it, it, okay. I gave it a three. It was fine. All right. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the completed dishes I thought were really beautiful. Agree. They're very appealing. All Design right. and layout. What did you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. I, I will say there's these like kind of unremarkable illustrations throughout the book. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that. I, yeah. Like throughout the, the, the different recipes and the pages, there's just these like illustrations, but they're not really that interesting. It's just like these little sketches or something. So, uh, but there is some useful information at the beginning of the book regarding uh, shopping seasonally, sustainably, reducing waste as it pertains to like food packaging. There's also some tips on growing your own, um, stretching your food budget. There was like some interesting information in there regarding utilizing your refrigerator to its maximum potential and just like how to place things and mm-hmm. making sure that you're not like overcrowding your refrigerator, where to place things. I, I think it's like something that I don't really like think much about or pay much attention to. So I like that it's kind of offering these this information and these ideas just to get people thinking more in those terms so that maybe you can make some of these changes incrementally, Mm -hmm. which I think is a more reasonable approach rather than like a book, you know, maybe hardcore vegan book. And they're trying to get you to make all these drastic changes to your diet. If you're, if you're not already vegan, it might be a little overwhelming for someone where I felt like this was a little bit more like kind of rational approach to it yeah let's see each recipe uh is easy to follow it's got step-by-step instructions along with nutritional information which i thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. it'll let you know if the dish is vegan or not and then also has like shopping and sourcing tips with a focus on sustainability there was also some useful charts for uh techniques such as roasting vegetables or cooking beans and it would have the different vegetables listed and like their prep and then like your 
oven temperature and your roasting, roasting times. Time. And then same with beans, like the different types of beans and how long you would have to cook them. So um, just, you know, having that chart handy is probably useful and it allows you to make a variety of different dishes with that knowledge. And I, and I know one thing it did mention in the beginning of the book was like, yes, we're giving you a recipe to follow, but we're also trying to just inspire you and give you some ideas on like where you could go from there. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was that was a, a good approach to take where people can just, you know, hopefully it will serve as like some inspiration where they can just be like, okay, now I'm going to make this and I'm going to make this and uh, maybe break people out of their comfort zone if they're used to f- strictly following a recipe. Each chapter features uh, what they call like an expert opinion mm-hmm. from a professional on a certain topic. And it's not just strictly chefs. It would be like uh, the musician Kellis was in there. Well, she's a chef now. Yeah, I know. And then she has a farm. And yep. so, but it was like getting their perspective on like a variety of topics as it relate, relates to like their own, how they cook and prepare food and be more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then there was also a handy section in the back of the book that lists resources for checking out additional reading and doing some additional research. So I, I thought the design and layout was pretty strong for this book. Well, I, I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't know what to say because you pretty much like those were all my notes. <laughs> you took what I was going to say. Um, Would you give it? I gave it a five. Okay. I really those charts like uh, the hot, the grain cooking and the vegetable cooking and the bean cooking charts. I thought. It's really handy to have all in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, also... And I think those are the kind of things that do kind of serve as inspiration for someone. Um, so like if you've kind of went through and cooked all the recipes from the book, you got those charts. Now you start thinking in terms of like, oh, I could do this and put it with this ingredient or I could substitute these beans for the beans in this recipe. And it really does start getting you thinking outside of the box or outside the confines of... A recipe. Yes. So. Um, okay. Degree of difficulty. Um, I give it a three. Okay. It really is going to depend. This is, I, I know we, this is often a, a, a score that I rank books on, but it's because a lot of these books that we seem to go through and evaluate, it's just, they're kind of all over the place where you're going to have like some simple things such as that mimosa that literally had three ingredients <laughs> blended together. Yeah. Or... Like that, that mushroom dish that we made with the with the scallops, or even the cauliflower is probably a better example. Uh-huh. Where there was like a few moving parts, a few steps. There's also like some uh, recipes at the beginning of the book that deal more with like uh, food planning and food prep for the week, uh-huh. which are you know obviously it's a lot of work, but you're doing it all just in one go. For the entire week. Yes. But if you wanted to tackle that, you got to set aside a whole day of, of, of food prep probably. Yeah. So it, it just, yeah, a solid three because of it just really is going to depend on which one you choose to tackle. Okay. How about you? I gave it a two mm-hmm. because um, I do feel like most of the chapters are four easier dishes. I mean, there's there's a... 10 under 10, which is something, you know, meals that you can make in 10 minutes and you're done. Right. Um, There's also uh, a lot with a little, like 
things that have less than five ingredients right. or five or less. Um, and there's a, also a chapter called Live a Little, which is more indulgent foods, uh, which is where our fried cauliflower came in. Right. And there's some baking uh, baking recipes on there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you stayed away from that chapter, everything is super easy. Right. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, taste. taste. I gave it a 3.5. Ooh. Yeah. I felt like some of the seasoning was just a little bit bland. and we, had to bump it up a bit. Yeah. Okay. And the the carrot mimosa thing was just... In hindsight, it was probably kind of a throwaway recipe yeah. for us, but you know, it sounded good at the time. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, and, uh, and I didn't hate it, you know, but it was just you know, we probably could have found something else to better evaluate the the book. Yeah, but I do um, have to say, there's a lot of really appealing looking recipes in absolutely. here. Absolutely. So yes, um, I gave it a four. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, overall, I really enjoyed everything. That we made, I, I like the concept of the book, enjoyed everything. Like you said, maybe the seasoning or flavors could be adjusted to your own personal preference, but um, no complaints overall. All right. All right. It's time for, I, I got to come up with a theme song for this. <laughs> Food for thought. Food idioms explained. Bum, uh, uh, okay. Huh? No. Okay. <laughs> that was obnoxious. You want to take this one? Sure. All right. Um, okay, so the idiom is not for all the tea in China. This phrase originated in late 19th, early 20th century. Um, it comes from the fact that China is, a well-known, is well known to produce tea. It's still the case. They, they produce a quarter of the world's tea. So to decline the offer to do something, like if you're saying, you know, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch, is it cake for all the tea in China? (laughs) So you see what I did there? So uh, that means you're really determined not to do, you are really determined not to watch, is it cake? I am. Yes. And the Oxford English Dictionary it says that the phrase is uh, Australian origin, and it also says that 1890s is the date of origin, but it doesn't really offer any supporting evidence to go with these facts. And uh, if we're being honest, I think likely there's maybe some vaguely racist undertones oh, associated with it. So? And I'm sorry, like my apologies to our Australian listeners because, you know, hey, we're Americans. We invented vaguely racist undertones. But uh, yeah, there's probably a little bit of that in there. I, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, Australia has another one that's it's like Chinese whispers. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. Wow. Did you know Waltzing Matilda is also a, an Australian or originated thing? No. Yeah. Oh. It means you're going from place to place with all your belongings on your back looking for work. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. You, you learned, just learned something. I was today years old. <laughs> what a way to end the episode. Right? Well, not so. 
Well, you 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 do your work, and then I, I got a good joke to wrap things up. This is going to be good. Okay. Uh, so if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Um, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books, and our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. You know what time it is. I'll I'll do this as like it's a in the form of a conversation. Okay. Hey Victoria, yeah, remember that time that I got a job looking after a garden? Uh huh. You might say that I was a carrot taker, and eventually I had to quit because the celery wasn't high enough. Thankfully, I started working in pornography, and the pay was much better. <laughs> so dumb. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But you're laughing. Oh my god! Because it's corny. <laughs> right, literally. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry. 